Following Jesus isn't always easy, but it's not complicated. In fact, our goal on this podcast is to make real life simple. And today we'll be talking about facing the dark room in your 20s. In what is being called a defining decade, how do we deal with our anxiousness to start living, but our fear about what's next? Welcome to the Rusty George Podcast. This is Brad Williams, and today I'll be talking about a recent message series called The Dark Room. But before we we get to that, we want to tackle a few questions from our listeners. So our first question is, how do I manage my inner demons when I feel like my inner demons are fueled by my spouse and kids? (laughs) Well, that's... That's a great question, Brad, and I think all of us resonate with that at some point because, listen, marriage is two imperfect people trying to do life together, and then when you add kids, now you've got more imperfect people running around. You just can't blame everything that they're doing on your spouse because you're the result or they're the result of you many times, Uh, and I know with my kids, sometimes I look at them and say, why did you do that? And I realize, well, that's because that's what I do. So how do you deal with your inner demons when some of them are fueled by your kids? Uh, I would say you have to, first of all, differentiate between what is personality and what is a problem. I know, Brad, you and I have talked a lot about the Enneagram and understanding each other and uh, just people in our lives. And my family, we walked through the Enneagram on a car trip and we, we learned so much about each other that now... When they do things that bother us, you know, or for my wife and I, or when we do things that bother each other, we recognize, well, that's just your number talking, not so much who you, uh, you know, that you're, that you're really that angry or that there's really a problem. It's more of your personality than it is a problem. So when it comes to your your problems, those are issues you have to address, but your personalities are not problems to be solved, but rather tensions to be managed. If it fuels your inner demons of fear or anxiety, or a sense of uh, lacking, you're going to have to take moments away. And I don't mean separate, but I mean, you take some downtime daily basis uh, where, where you drown. Typically you will drown it out with white noise or with busyness. Let it be silent enough for you to hear what's really going on. So you can face those things rather than just going back into where they're often fueled. No, that's good. Um, so the second question I have for you, Rusty, is uh, Todd Fields talked about creating a life of worship. What are some simple ways to do that? Well, that's the, the thing we're always trying to communicate is that worship is more than just singing. And unfortunately, those of us that do church for a job, we don't do a very good job of helping our people because we always talk about we're going to enter into worship or we just finished worship or did you like the worship songs? And we often just mean music. Uh, reality is that it's bigger than that. I I would say, pick up a copy of the book, uh, The Liturgy of the Ordinary. Uh, It's so powerful. I think we referenced it once before on the podcast, and I would love to get the author on the podcast sometime. But she just talks about using everyday moments as moments of worship, whether you're brushing your teeth, whether you're going to bed, whether you're eating lunch, returning emails, even having an argument with your spouse. You can turn all of those moments into acts of worship because in those moments, you're recognizing that there is somebody bigger than you. There is a God that you serve and follow, and you can honor him and thank him for what it is that you're facing in life and the people that you get to deal with on a daily basis. So I think there's a, a lot of things we can learn from just opening our eyes to the people around us and being grateful for what God has given us. Great question. 
I know. Thank you. So um, thank you guys for submitting those two uh, fantastic questions. Uh, if you have any questions, we want this to be, this is, uh, you know, we know this only works if we do this together in community. And so we need your feedback. We need your questions. Uh, so feel free to submit any questions you have to rgeorge at reallifechurch.org. Uh, we'll be going over these questions uh, consistently. So if you want to be a part of the podcast, go ahead and submit and let us hear from you. So, uh, all right, Rusty, we are in a message series now called The Dark Room. Uh, we'll be talking about that for the next couple of episodes. Uh, so what I need you to do is explain to everybody out there, what is that? What does that mean? Well, The Dark Room is a, a really old idea of photography. <laughs> and when I say old, I mean rather like 10 years ago when photographs were taken into a dark room. And I guess in some contexts, they, they can still uh, have this done. And the the negatives were taken and they're processed and they're put through solutions. And there's a red light into a dark room and it's broken down and worked over until finally there's a finished product. And that finished product has to dry and wait until it's finally good enough and stable enough to enter the light. And I think what all of us feel is there are moments in our life where we feel stuck in the dark room, like we're not getting any further, like we're in a dead end job, like we're in a bad relationship, like um, the, the illness that we're facing will never heal. And it feels like life is on hold. So what do you do in that moment? And all throughout scripture, you see God using people in the dark room and oftentimes putting them through a very long process or at least allowing them to go through it until he's ready to bring them out into the light. And so the series is really designed to talk about what do we do while we're waiting for the light? And in this particular case, uh, we're trying to deal with every stage of life. And specifically, um, I think you and I are going to talk today about our 20s. No, yeah, you're, you're right. And that's good. Um, yeah, so as it pertains to dark room and in your 20s uh, as a young person, um, that's where a lot of millennials are right now. Right. And I think in society, a lot of the the confusion, a lot of the, the waiting that like you're talking about, waiting for the light in your 20s, you don't really even know what you're you're <laughs> waiting for. But why are your 20s? Why do you think your 20s are so, so crucial? Wow. Your 20s. Uh, you and I joked earlier that it's when you feel like you're the only one in the light and everybody else is in the dark. <laughs> mm -hmm. But the reality is, is you're the one that's still still trying to figure out life. And certainly uh, nowadays for Gen Z and for uh, Gen Y or the millennials, there's a sense of a fear of failure, but an anxiousness, an anxiousness to keep going. And we see people succeeding at various things. We see people uh, starting their own businesses from behind a computer screen. It's not even so much about going out and getting a job anymore as it is creating your own job. And then there's that tension of, oh, I work for somebody else, but I'd rather work for myself. How do I do that? And we hear all the stories about the successes out there of people that have done this. The problem is, is that we assume that we're supposed to do that too. And so oftentimes the darkroom lasts for us a long time because we think uh, we don't know what's next. I would say in your 20s, it's so defining because what you do in your 20s 
um, it, it really does impact the, the rest of your life because if you get a job that's just, you know, kind of just paying the bills, it doesn't always translate great to a resume, but if you go out and find a job that will pertain to your career, it always translates well. And sometimes that's not always possible to do, but a lot of times in our 20s, we think, I just want to have fun until I grow up into my 30s. But yet some of the decisions that you make in your 20s will impact your 30s. And for me personally, the 20s is when I began to figure out who I was. I think your 20s is when you're deciding, all right, that was my parents' faith or that was my parents' way of doing things. What am I going to believe about this? What am I going to do about this? And I think the dark room in your 20s can be filled with a lot of questions that could help us take the next right step. Well, yeah, no, you're you're right. And I know for me, I was trying to figure out um, what my next step was. I was definitely in looking back in the dark room. I think a lot of what we base that on is what we deem as success as kids. You know, you spent all that time getting all this feedback as children. And now you're at a stage where, okay, you're an adult and you got to figure it out. You have, you're getting all these questions as to what's next. You know, you got grandparents pushing you to have kids, you know, you're not even dating <laughs> yet a lot of the time. So it can be extremely chaotic. And for me, it's funny, we, we talked about the Enneagram a little bit earlier. Um, when you're used to wearing a mask or when you're used to trying to to have a certain image, you'll answer questions in your 20s incorrectly just because you want people to perceive you a certain way. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. I think that adds to you being in that darker place. You know, I feel like uh, just speaking for myself and a lot of young people I know, uh, a lot of them don't want to let people down. So they'll not be truthful with what they're actually going through, actually thinking about questions they actually have, all for the sake of appearing to be mm. um, all together. You know, so did you did you did you struggle with things like that as a as a young man during that? Oh time? no, I got it perfect. Um, <laughs> that's what, that's what <laughs> no, people around me would uh, will definitely beg to differ. And what's funny about that is is yeah, you try to act like you have it all together and have all the answers, but you end up just digging a deeper hole for yourself. And as you said, it creates more stress on you to try to keep up appearances. I remember hearing uh, Abraham Lincoln once said, and I didn't hear him say this, but I heard somebody refer to this, that he couldn't lie because he's not smart enough. <laughs> That's good. And sometimes lying, you just got to keep up with all of it and it gets overwhelming. Yeah. And I remember being in my 20s and, you know, being put at the adult table from time to time, you know, whether it's a staff meeting or with people that were, you know, high capacity leaders at our church that we were at in Kentucky. And, I thought, boy, I am way out of my league. And the quicker I started asking questions, the better off. For instance, the night before a meeting, asking, what should I wear to that meeting? How engaged am I to be in that meeting? Should I contribute or should I be quiet? Because, you know, sometimes they want your opinion. That's why you're there. And if you don't contribute, you won't be asked back. But then sometimes they think, well, we just want you there so you see what it's like, but we don't want you to talk. The more clarity you can get out of people before, you know, different interactions begin, the more you're going to be um, uh, prepared for that situation. And then in that situation, just be a sponge of knowledge. You know, everybody loves to talk about themselves. So why don't you be the person 
that's constantly asking questions and finding out what it is you, you do for a living. How did you make that decision? What were the most difficult ways to get there and, and the things that you learned along the way? Um, and I think what begins to happen is people then see you as somebody that wants to learn and they will give you opportunities to learn rather than if you try to come in there and think, well, they want me to have it all together. Uh, there's no need for that in there because first of all, you don't. And second of all, they already have people that have it together. They need somebody to ask the questions to make them uh, push themselves a little bit further. No, that's good. That's good. So now when you're in that situation, you're you're in that situation typically with a room of relatively healthy adults. Um, what happens when you're in your 20s and say you're in that same situation, but you feel like um, they almost want you to be more than what you actually are, or you haven't built that trust to feel comfortable to ask those questions yet? How, how important or how vital do you feel mentors are outside of those situations to help help you through that? That's a great question, Brad. And I, I think they're so huge because it gives you an outside perspective not everybody's in a situation where you can go to your boss and say, hey, help me understand this, because they may not be all that interested in your success. They might be seeing you as a threat, uh, but having some outside mentors is really, really helpful. I think in your 20s, it's a really good opportunity to create your own team. Hmm. Who are some people that are going to pour into your life? And you may not be able to pay them for their time, but just ask them, and, and this is what I always tell people is, just give them a short amount of time. I love to be able to mentor people. I just don't have a lot of time. But if somebody came up to me and said, I just need 20 minutes of your time once a month, or I'll buy you coffee, or I just have a couple questions, I'll email you, you can, um, you can respond at your leisure. Um, that is really, really easy to do. And I think you could collect a variety of people that you don't have to ask them about everything, but you could ask them about a few things that they're really good at. Then there might be some people that you have two or three questions you want to ask everybody you meet. Um, I, I know for me, before we had kids, every pastor I met that had kids that appeared to be somewhat, um, you know, doing okay, <laughs> I said, hey, tell me how you raise kids as a pastor. And I just began to collect all kinds of information that I still draw from today. And it became one of those questions that I always ask. Another one that I often ask people that are farther along than I am are, are, is basically this idea. What, what have you learned that you wish you knew when you began? Good. Or tell me the two or three things that you think everybody ought to know when they're in their 20s. One of the things that I always tell people is, People are not thinking about you as much as you think they are because <laughs> most of us in our twenties, we're obsessed with everybody thinks about us. Yeah. The reality is when we know this by our, our age, Brad, we're only thinking about ourselves and to be, to think about all the time I wasted on what others thought of me in my twenties, they weren't thinking about me. They were thinking about themselves. So have a few queued up questions that you're ready to roll with anytime you're around somebody that can give you some wisdom. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, I feel like it's helpful. I think if I had known little things like that as a young person, it helped me out. I think for me um, and for a lot of the young people that I talk to, I spend a lot of time sitting with millennials and building trust and getting feedback. Um, I'm encouraging a lot of them to be uh, more transparent. Um, but then when they're taking that information, sometimes it's more so about knowing your audience and knowing who to be transparent with and to mm. and, and how important that that building of trust is because 
you know, a lot of times, a lot of young people, they're, they're in the dark, but they're thrown into these situations to where, you know, they really, they just don't know how to maneuver yet. But I do feel like this generation now is really good about trying to find answers more. Um, but even with that being said, what do you feel like is keeping them in the dark room? Like, say, the young people listening to us right now, right? They're taking, uh, you know, taking these things down. Um, but does fear play a big role in taking that next step to actually be transparent and open up to somebody? Does the busyness of life, is that the obstacle that a lot of like that we like if you had gotten over, if you could move certain obstacles out of your way in your 20s, what would those things have been? Mm. That's such a good question. Uh, and I think today our our. 20-somethings are really struggling with fear. We're all struggling with fear. But at least if we're a little bit older, we might have a few successes in our back pocket that keep us getting out of bed in the morning. In your 20s, you're still trying to find yourself and figure out who you are. And you've got all these people around you telling you they've discovered who they are and what they want to do. And so we kind of, you know, we we flex back and forth between um, I'm trying to find myself to, oh, here's who I am. No, that didn't work out. So I need to do this. And we're just constantly battling ourselves and our, our fears. And it's just, it's so difficult. So what obstacles would I remove from my twenties? I think it would have been that fear of, of, uh, trying to impress everybody, that fear of trying to, um, appear to have it all together. And then um, the other fear of assuming there's a silver bullet out there that fixes everything. And I, I think in certainly in ministry, um, there's an assumption that there's one model that will work for everybody. And that's just not true. I mean, there's one thing we're supposed to do, which is what Jesus told us to do, go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptize people into him and teach them to obey everything he commanded. That's our marching orders. But the way that we do that is drastically different from Lexington, Kentucky to Valencia, California, to Mexico City, to Paris, France, to uh, Lira, Uganda. So assuming that there's one right way to do these things out there uh, causes us to be fearful in trying anything because we keep waiting to figure everything out. And that not, that's not going to come. So we have to constantly be trying things, learning from it, try it again, learn from it, and keep experimenting with it. Because the failures you have in your 20s will become your successes in your 30s. That's so good. That's so real. Yeah, a failure is not a loss. You know, a failure is an opportunity to learn. That's really good. And What have you learned there, Brad? You've seen this play out many times, certainly in your own life, but also in, in your 20s and, and with people around you. Yeah, no, that's 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 a good question. And uh, one thing I've learned is I would do differently, at least if I could go back, is remove all the toxic friends and toxic people out of my life. Like everybody that I was trying to pour into as a young person, um, they weren't they weren't necessarily, I don't say receptive, but there's some people that only look to pull from you, to drain you dry. Uh, when you're someone who, you know, and I wasn't like some, you know, perfect angel by any means, but I have always had an affinity for people. And I love people. I love helping people. 
And sometimes people are, you're enabling them. You're not helping them. You're doing for them and doing for them, but they're not only draining you, but also your mindset starts to change because some of the things that, that you stand for, they don't match you. And you're afraid to, at least for my situation, I was afraid to, to not go with the flow sometimes when I just wish I had just stood on, stood my ground on, you know, who I was, poured into people, found people to pour into me, but any toxic people just have the wisdom to, you know, step out of their life and out of that situation. That's, that's so strong because, you know, what's the old adage, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And a lot of times we are stuck around those people. I think about it when you make the jump from high school to college, you know, those people that you were in high school with that they can't handle going to college. So they just try to relive high school over and over and over again. And you move on. Same thing happens when you get out of college or people that just want to relive college over and over and over again, getting away from those people, uh, you know, because we all need, you know, two kinds of people in our life, positive and negative. It's a little bit like a battery. You got to have some negative people in your life that you're building up, but you got to have more positive people in your life um, that are building you up as well. And there is a give and take there. Yeah, no, you're right. And I know we said this last, uh, I think the first podcast, but uh, it's something that I really, really live by, but a reason, a season, a lifetime. Right. There are people that you're in their life. Maybe it's just for a reason. Mm. You know, don't try to stretch that reason into a season. Right. You know, and I think sometimes that we we do that. We have people that are in our lives and maybe we're they're there for a specific purpose. Mm. But for whatever reasons, I mean, it could be codependency. We have a whole lot of behaviors, um, behavioral defects that we have as as a child that when we get into our 20s, we're still addressing the same problems with those same behaviors. And we haven't learned yet that those behaviors aren't healthy. So we have to, we really do have to self-assess a lot and be willing to be transparent and make that, and make that, that change or those changes. Um, But a big part of it is self-assessing and looking at, at yourself, looking at the behaviors you could do better or different. Mm. Um, But for you, Rusty, um, because I dealt with this, and I'm curious to hear to hear what you have to say about it. I call it my 20s, my limbo year, because hmm. I felt like I was floating. I didn't know I wasn't where I wanted to be yet. I hadn't achieved what I wanted to achieve yet. I felt like I was in outer space and zero gravity. So what would you say to to young people in their 20s who feel like they're in a dark room because they feel like life has passed them by? Hmm. Well, if you're in your 20s, life has not passed you by. It's only beginning. Um I think it was Craig Rochelle who said, we overestimate what we'll do in five years. We underestimate what we'll do in 20. So play the long game. Recognize that the decisions you make right now with your relationships, with the people that are close to you, with um, uh, your inner circle, and, and even the things that you read and the stuff that you look at on social media and the time wasters in your life. These things are going to impact where you are 20 years from now. Um, as Stephen Covey taught us, you know, be uh, beginning with the end in mind. Who do you want to be? What, and I don't mean what career, but tell me about the kind of person you want to be. You want to be a person that's loyal. You want to be a person that has uh, the ability for a great family, that is somebody that uh, people think highly of. Write your own eulogy. Start with that. 
and then work backwards. Put a team of people around you that will pray for you, that will walk with you. Get involved at your uh, local church with a small group of people. If you're in ministry, start surrounding yourself, not just with the rock stars. We all want to hang out with Andy Stanley and Craig Groeschel. Put people around you who are just a step ahead of you. If you're at a church of 200, get around people that are a church of 800. If you're around, if you're in a church of 800, be around people that are in a church of, you know, 1500, because you want to learn from them what it is they figured out along the way. If you're a youth pastor and you aspire to one day be a, a senior pastor or a lead pastor, hang out with those people. Ask them questions. How do you schedule your week? What is it you do with your time? Uh, if you are in worship ministry and you want to expand your platform to where you can help more people, get around people that are doing that and ask them the tough questions and just start trying. It's just like with podcasting. Uh, I thought about it for years, but never did it until somebody said, you just got to start because the first rounds are going to, they're going to be awful. And they were, and there's still moments that it's awful, but you just got to keep going because eventually you kind of stumble yourself into some good things. Yeah, it's real good. And um, beginning with the end in mind, I think that is like a golden nugget that is exceptional uh, information. Um, the book that Rusty was, res re I can't talk. The book that Rusty was referencing is Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Um, if you guys haven't checked it out, um, please check that out. Uh, but yeah, that's great information because I know for me, if I had done that, mm. it would have kept me on course more. You know, by the, by the grace of God, you still get there. <laughs> you know, if you, if you keep, you know, uh, plowing away. But it would have um, probably uh, saved me a lot of time. And in your 20s, you can spend a lot of extra time in that dark room um, by your own accord. You know, if you don't do things like that, have have your goal, have your end in mind and know the why behind why you're doing what you're doing. You know, the why behind why you exist. Mm. You know, why are you on this planet? You know, all of us are here for a reason and for a purpose that's bigger than us. And um, just like you're saying, just like with podcasting, you know, when you try something because you know that it's it's what you're called to do, uh, you still have to shift your mentality in anything you do in life to to realize what's the real reason I'm doing this? What's the bigger purpose behind this? And when you see that, then, yeah, even your failures, even the, the tough times, um, those are going to make you better and stronger. So no, that's that's great feedback. So any anything um, that you have, uh, anything else you have as it pertains to uh, being in the dark room, being in your twenties and community. Well, I would just remind people just to keep going. You know, you just got to keep moving. Uh, you got to keep taking risks. Got to keep taking taking chances. I never thought I'd be where I am today. I never thought I'd be in California. Never thought I'd have the jobs that I've had. But it all became because I just started asking questions. Uh, looking for opportunities. Can I intern here? Can I work here for free? Can I buy you lunch? Can I ask you questions? And just collecting information along the way. I think that's really what fuels you. And guess what? It doesn't just help you get out of your dark room in your 20s, but the rest of your life as well, because you all go through seasons where you feel like, I don't know what to do next. Asking questions is often where it starts. I've never learned anything from talking. Hmm, that's good. Yeah. Likewise. Likewise. So Rusty, thank you. Thank you for this conversation. Uh, next week, we will be jumping into part two uh, of the same topic. 
uh, talking about the dark room. So we're looking forward to to more of this fantastic dialogue. We uh, hope this is being this is helpful to everybody who's listening. Uh, Rusty, you have any parting words for the folks listening out there? No, I just say that for anybody who's in the midlife crisis stage, we're going to be dealing with that next week. And if you have any questions or would like to give input, we'd love to hear from you at rgeorge, R-G-E-O-R-G-E, at reallifechurch.org.